Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails, where we talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Henry, uh, alongside my brother, Matthew. Uh, and um, today we're going to be, well, I guess, no, I mean, wow, okay, episode three, still, still not Still not fluid, still not nailing it. As we talked about in the last two episodes, this is a, this is a, we're going to be a little bit meta uh, until we get this perfected. That was my attempt, just so you all know, at a at a at a smooth cold open, um, and it was didn't, almost smooth. Didn't nail it. No, didn't nail it. Didn't nail it. But you know, uh, but my cocktail is pretty smooth. Um, but uh, before I tell you about my cocktail, what are you drinking tonight, Matthew? You know, I'm drinking uh, what I call a limoncello mule. So uh, Moscow mule with a shot of limoncello. Uh, so for those of you who don't know what a, a mule is, it's uh, generally a, a shot of vodka with uh, ginger beer, oftentimes served in a copper mug uh, to keep it really cold. And I threw in some a limoncello as well. So it gives it an, and a little lime juice and lemon juice to kind of bring out the uh, the flavor of the limoncello a little bit. So, so it's very nice. It's a refreshing uh, you know drink. It's uh, probably best in the summer, but I'm getting a little head start today. So that's what I'm drinking. That, that does sound sounds sounds very refreshing. I'm not a I'm not a big uh, big mule fan. I'm a big fan of ginger beer. You know, classically, those cocktails are referred to as bucks, right? Like a, a whiskey buck or something. That's when you just mix mix the alcohol with a ginger beer. In theory, you could have a rum buck, but I think now those are called dark and stormies. But even that is a trademark name. So you can only use that if you're using the right rum. But I'm not drinking any of those tonight. Tonight, I am drinking a uh, oh, just a simple whiskey sour, which is actually the first cocktail that I really got into um, back when I legally started uh, drinking cocktails. Um, legally. Legally. Uh, I didn't drink at all before I turned 21. Of course not, Mom. <laughs> That's right. Never. Yeah, that's, yeah. Anyway, uh, enough about my misguided youth. So, yeah, that's it's one of the first cocktails I've ever had. I've always had a, um, uh, you know, uh, a soft spot for them. They are a pretty simple cocktail. It's really just uh, lemon juice, uh, simple syrup, and, and whiskey shaken and then served. Uh, well, you can serve it all kinds of ways. Uh, you can serve it on the rocks. I, I, I'm drinking mine up tonight, which means in a stemmed cocktail glass uh a coupe for those of you who are scoring at home or even if you're alone yeah indeed <laughs> an oldie but a goodie uh uh anyway the uh i i wanted to be fancy and i wanted to do what's called a new york sour uh which is the same thing as a whiskey sour, but you float a, a um, half ounce of red wine on the top because the only thing a good cocktail needs is more alcohol. And uh, it's a really cool effect because it creates this this nice little color, uh, layered color, if you do it correctly. Uh, and uh, But I'm, I left my bottle of wine downstairs, and I didn't want to go all the way back and get it, so I'm just drinking a plain old whiskey sour right now. Uh, and I will probably have a lot of variations of this as the season goes on because this is a great base uh, to, to, to have uh, a lot of different, uh, make a lot of different adjustments to and have something different. 
Um, and um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about some of those those later. Um, but enough about cocktails. Oh, I just remembered we're supposed to be cutting down on the ums and uhs also. Yeah, so, and I've already been taking notes that you have, you know, regressed back into the ums. Well, and I wasn't uhs. thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about it. Last <laughs> last week I was thinking about it and I nearly died. I, I I'm pretty I nearly I nearly had a stroke trying to not say those verbal crutches last time. And it took a lot of effort. And I just realized just now that I'm not trying at all. And so yeah, the ums and uhs have probably been coming in a fast and steady pace, you know. But yes. anyway, well, the, you know, since I'm the one that gets to edit all your ums and uhs, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. Right. Well, the first I'm locking, five minutes. I'm, yeah, I'm locking in. I'm locking in. No more ums and uhs. They're all gone. Okay, I can feel it. But anyway, tonight we are going to be talking about. Well, so we wanted to revisit one subject that we talked a little bit about last week when we were talking about Evan Longoria and, and where we expect him to be starting the season. Is he going to be the everyday starting third baseman? Are we going to see a platoon situation? Or are we going to just see how it goes based off of the player's performance? And I know Evan's had a great week this week in spring training. Uh, the foot seems to not be bothering him at all. He's hitting the ball really hard. Uh, he's hitting it really far. And we also thought it might be a good idea to revisit another subject that I think caused a lot of angst this past week, which was the Giants' defense. Because right now, they are the worst team in baseball when it comes to uh, number of errors committed during the spring training. So we thought we would maybe revisit that subject a little bit. Should we just start there? I think so. And and I think yeah, to first and foremost, you know, we talk about the defense. And last year in 2020, they started off the season uh, equally, I think, alarming in their defense. Uh, so this isn't really anything new. Uh, I think one of the philosophies that the, that the Giants have is that there are some players that they're hoping that their offense will make up for their defense. So we have to be okay with that. Yeah, you know, we're not going to be you know gold glovers all around the field. Uh, you know, and and so that's just part of it. And I think what I was curious about was I think as of this weekend there were like I think the Giants had committed twenty three errors in the spring, and I went and looked at those, and seventeen of those were made by guys that aren't going to be on the twenty six man opening day roster. Uh, so, uh, Luciano, I think had four Ramos had four, you know, these are guys that are our prospects that we hope will get a little bit better defensively as they uh, mature and before they make the big league club. But, uh, you know, there were, there were a lot of, of errors that weren't attributable to guys that we're going to count on on a day-to-day -day basis. But then we've got the situation at third and I think, you know, Longoria, he was a four-time gold glover, I believe. Uh, you know, he's a solid defensive third baseman, and he brings a lot to the to the table with his defense. Uh, after that, though, it, it drops off considerably. So I think that that's kind of the question: is if Longoria is if he's not going to play against right-handers as much um, as we think, and Lastella and or Flores you know, might take over some of his playing time at third, particularly if he's injured. If he starts the season off uh, with this plantar fasciitis thing, 
you know, those are, are going to be our backups, right? We got La Stella and Flores. Both of them are average at best. Well, I would say La Stella is average uh, at best. Flores is below average. He is a below average third baseman and there will be significant drop off in play there. I guess my question to you is, does that matter? I think ultimately, no. I mean, defense definitely matters, don't get me wrong, but I think the Giants built this lineup for versatility, and I also know that they built it, with when they have that versatility, they're probably going to be doing a lot of adjustments based upon what the score is and, and what inning it is. So you're going to see a lot of defensive replacements, you're going to see a lot of people moving around. So I think they're going to do the best that they can to take advantage of the situation. But I think you're right. I think their primary focus right now is to score as many runs as possible, get people on base, drive them home, and even create some mobility on the bases because they also seem to be leading the spring training in stolen bases of all things. I can't remember the Giants ever being a running team. So so that should be interesting. And granted, we're not in a really running heavy period of of baseball, but the Giants have never been the leader in that category. So that's interesting. But I think generally speaking, they're going to be focusing on trying to score as many runs as possible. So I think they're going to want to put out what they think is the best producing lineup at that time. I do think it's something to think about and worry about, though. And what I would say is that uh, I think it's good that they do have some defensive line alignments that are good out there, right? Ideally, we see, well, I don't really know. I mean, I guess Solano and Listella at second is not a huge, a huge difference. But my guess is that Listella is a little bit better there than Solano. So I think the best defensive infield is going to be Belt, Listella, Crawford, and, and Longoria around the horn in that order. But I think ultimately, no, I, I think they're going to sacrifice defense for runs and then try to make up for it with defensive replacements. So I don't think, well, I think we're going to find out whether it matters or not. I, I think that's the thinking right now. I think that that's what the the brain trust believes, and that's what they're going to try to do this year. They're going to maximize the offensive output and try to manage everything else from there. So I still think Longoria is not going to be an everyday guy. I hope he proves me wrong. I, it would be really nice to see them pencil him in there, 145 games and uh, for the season and have him stay healthy and have him hit the ball hard and, and maybe give us a flashback to the Evan Longoria of, of yesteryear. But I, I just don't think that's what's going to end up happening. I, I think he's going to be a, a sub or a platoon player at best, and I think a late-inning defensive replacement. I do think Wilmer Flores is a really interesting story. Clearly, they love his bat. His glove, though, is just, you know, <laughs> non-existent. So so I, I don't know. I don't know about that. It should be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm really interested to see how, how that works. I think we're going to, we better be mentally prepared for some rough games, though, I think. And hopefully it's not too rough. Yeah. And, and I think that with, you know, it's interesting with Listella and Flores, they both played around the same amount of games uh, in their career at third. Uh, you know, Listella has played 125 games at third base, uh, and Flores has played 146 games at third base. So, 
teams keep having faith in them uh, to, to play third base. So it, it's obviously, you know, Estella had a pretty good year last year. Two years ago, he was an all-star. I think there's a lot of reasons to want him in your lineup. And uh, looking at his, his third base, you know, defensive metrics, the last three years, he's actually been slightly above average. And so if you can get that kind of defensive play out of him and get his bat, his 370 on base percentage and comparable power to Longoria, then yeah, you want that in your lineup. And uh, so it'll be interesting. I think, you know, uh, I think today I saw uh, an article where Longoria was acknowledging that he's not going to play as much as, um, as as he has in the past, uh, I think he said something like, "Well, I go into every season wanting to play 150 you know, fifty to one hundred and sixty games, but I think that you know it probably is best to give me some rest every now and then." So it seems like he thinks he's going to be the everyday third baseman with more rest in between, and that may be what happens. Uh, however, I think if he's not hitting, then Listella, you know, knowing that we see more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers. Uh, Lestella will get more playing time in my in my eyes, um, and I think that Flores is a, you know, he's the third option at third base. You know, I I I, I would imagine that, you know, it's going to be interesting because they need to find a place to get him into the lineup with no DH this year, and so there there's going to be some maneuvering, and um, and I, my fear is that Kapler is going to get into his like you know, kind of metric mind and wanting to like, oh, I got to play this guy against this guy. And and I don't know. I just I feel like there's not going to be a lot of consistency. Uh, maybe at the, there's the, that opportunity, at least at third base to be kind of a mess. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you got three guys that can, you know, that can potentially be very good offensive weapons and only one guy that can play really good defense. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah, I'm just going to be bold and just go out here and say that I think that Gabe Kapler is definitely going to make a mess of it at third base. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I think it's a toy that 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 he thinks he understands, and 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 obviously he's a professional baseball manager. He clearly does understand it, but but I think it's a toy that he's going to want to play with, and he's going to want to play with by the numbers. I don't think anybody's going to get a real shot to establish themselves at third base. I think it's going to be mix and match. I think it's going to be guys all over the place, at least for, you know, the first six to eight weeks. I think you're just going to see guys moving all over the place because they can. Uh, You know, I think they did build a versatile team, and by gosh, I bet he's going to use it. (laughs) So, uh, So I do expect to see a lot of things moving around. If it works, great, you know, then, then, you know, I'll, I'll eat crow all day long. But I do expect to see a lot of a lot of movement. The one thing I would point out, though, is that Solano and Listella could also set up a um, a platoon situation at second base. So if by some chance Longoria does establish himself, there's not too f- much of a of a fall off against um, right-handed pitching for him. Then and he can play every day. There is an opportunity for there to be a platoon situation at at second, but. You know, I think Listella was a guy they went out and got and, and spent the money on, not not to, you know, not to bury him. Uh, so, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's it's like I said, we just we just don't know how it's going to play out. But I think because we don't know how it's going to play out, it's going to look different every single day. Yeah, and I know that players don't like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, but at the end of the day, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then. 
I don't know. If it doesn't, we'll probably still watch them do it day after day. So I, will, I don't know. Let's hope it works, I guess. Let's hope it works. Yeah. Well, and I think I think they're going to go with the hot bat, and, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how that translates into, into defense. Uh, the other couple questions I have around defense, too, is who backs up uh, Crawford at shortstop? Uh, in that case, would it be Solana moving over to short? And then, um, then Flastella and or Flores play second, you know, or does Dubone come in and play a shortstop? But then, you know, that leaves you weaker in center field. I guess if you believe in Slater or Yastrzemski, you know, then maybe that's the option there. There's a lot of moving parts, and it just, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all. I think it's going to be Dubon. I think Dubon's going to be on the field a lot, especially late in games. So I think we should expect to see him at shortstop quite a bit. In... Do you think late in games? Because I think I feel like... No, yeah, no, certainly... I mean... No, sorry, sorry, no, I don't. I think late in games he'll be in the outfield, if anywhere. Right, okay. Yeah, because I think he's clearly, right now at least, he's shown he's a pretty good defensive center fielder with some question marks at shortstop. I mean, he hasn't been consistent. Yeah, no, I, I think he'll be the guy that maybe spells Crawford at shortstop a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, and I think going back to that whole idea of offense masking defense, I think, you know, you see that clearly in their left field platoon option there. If they've got Ruff and Dickerson, you know, and in uh, in one of the corner outfield spots platooning, you know, you're, you're definitely giving away some defense there. Uh, and I think those names best. almost describe the, the quality of defense. It's going to be Ruff and Dickerson out there, you know? <laughs> Oh man, that's a rough dick. But we're not going to care. We're not going to care because, uh, you know, they're going to hit the ball real hard. That's right. They're going to hit, you know. So... And we'll hear the chant of dick, 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 that's dick right. over yeah. and over again. And... Yeah, so I, I don't think, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't care. I don't care, honestly. Like, I like Dickerson so much that I don't care how bad his defense is. I mean, it can't be it can't be catastrophically bad, obviously. It needs to be competitive, but I think he's such a, an electric part of the lineup and when he's going, it just gets everybody else going or at least it feels that way. I don't know if that's real or not, but it just seems to be he's just an exciting player and I love to watch him and so I really honestly don't don't care. You know, and and everybody's, you know, that's so that's why you stick him in the right field. <laughs> you know, or I guess in our case, left field. Right. Yeah. Right field's a little tricky. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's defense. You know, one of the other things that's kind of seems like has become a little more crystal clear over the last week is the starting rotation. Yeah. And we're starting to see now, okay, so we've got Gaussman, obviously, and Cueto. You know, those are the, the top two. You got Dace mm-hmm. Clefani. A lot of has been written about him. Uh, he seems to have the confidence of the team. Uh, Aaron Sanchez got a late start. You know, he um, literally and figuratively, it seems like, you know, he signed late. And then uh, then he was doing a lot of kind of mound off in the backfields work. Uh, I think at one point he started complaining the fact that he wasn't getting to actually play. Um, so he's, we've started to see him now in games. Uh, so it seems like you know he's on track now to, to start. And then we had Alex Wood, who had... You know, anytime you hear the word ablation, you know, that just made me cringe. And I didn't know what that word meant, but I yeah, knew I it wasn't it good. Too. Yeah, and so once I looked it up, I was like, okay, so they're going to burn his nerves using radio waves. Yep. Which is, you know, the technical term for ablations. And, and I feel like... 
that's not a good thing. But it, if it solves the problem, they seem, they're still saying publicly that they have confidence that he has the opportunity to start the opening season, you know, the opening day on the, on the roster. But I don't see how they could. I mean, he's hasn't really shown much while he's been out there. They've got a perfectly built-in excuse to start him off on the DL. And then you've got Logan Webb, who uh, has been pitching lights out. He's arguably the best pitcher we've had in camp right now. Uh, you know, he's striking out people. Little known fact, I love weird facts. I love weird stats. And last week, he struck out four batters in an inning. Uh, which to me, you know, so when I saw that, I was like, Aroo? you know, that that's how did that happen? Right. Well, you know, it's another classic, rule change, yeah. classic wild pitch and you know, on a strikeout and the guy reached first and then he struck out the next batter to end the inning. And I looked it up. That's only happened 92 times in the history of the major leagues uh, during in the regular season play to get so, four strikeouts in an inning. Yes. And uh, so it's not not, you know, pretty rare. And uh, so that was pretty cool to see. But he has been really exciting to see and and I know with these younger guys they you know I know they always want to bring them along slowly and you know do all that but at some point the guy looks ready and I think you got to give him a shot and he seems like he's ready to start the season and so that would be my five right now with with wood not being in the starting rotation um, and on the DL but uh, you know I think that that's that seems to be where they're headed what do you think no, I, I think that's definitely the the rotation that it's going to be. I, I think Alex Wood is probably going to start the season on the DL. I think Logan Webb will be your fifth starter. Logan Webb will be the guy that is on the bubble when and if Wood is able to come back. I, wow, I don't know where to start with this group. It, it's really... I, I think other than 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 Gossman at the top, I, I think the whole thing is just a bunch of question marks. And when we talked last week about where we expect the Giants to finish this year, this is one of the main reasons that I'm so bearish on the team is the starting rotation. You know, I, I think I think that that there's question marks up and down. I think we all are hoping that that Cueto comes back and and has a, a, a bounce back year and he's throwing the ball harder and he has a really good changeup. So if he mixes that in more, which seems like something that would suit his personality since he just seems like a crafty kind of pitcher that we're all hopeful that he's going to be able to rebound. And at the very least, we hope that he can cover a lot of innings for the giants because boy, are they going to need it <laughs> after that though, these next three die, the next three guys, Desclafani, Wood and Sanchez, they're all guys that are on make-it-or-break-it contracts, right? And I really like these signings. I really do like the signings. But the reason that I like them is not because I think they're all going to have great seasons and they're going to help the Giants make it to the playoffs. I think that is a scenario that seems uh, th that is plausible at least on paper because if you look at these guys' histories they all have the history of performing well but it's been a while it's been a couple of seasons since they've had a really great year and they've been really bogged down primarily by injury and this really does seem to be what uh Zaidi is doing in terms of trying to make this team competitive while rebuilding and, and he seems to be going after players that have had a recent injury history. He brings them in and hopes that they rebound while under contract control for the Giants 
or he signs them to a short contract and hopes that he can flip them. And I think that is what we are hoping for to get out of at least one of these three pitchers this year. What really excites me about all three of them is that there's a strong chance that one of them is going to have a great season and is going to be very good trade bait come the trade deadline and going to be a one-year contract, which are actually more attractive during the trading deadline, right? Because teams are happy to take on the remainder of a contract that's only for one year rather than taking on a multi-year contract when they're looking to, to improve their chances of competing or making the playoffs. So these guys are really going to be a really attractive trade bait if they perform well. And they're going to return something to the Giants farm system that makes the farm system better overall. So that's why I like all of these guys. I don't think it's likely that all three of them are going to do well. I think it's likely that only one of them is going to have a, a very bad season or no season due to injury or, or just poor performance or to lingering injury. So I think that's likely that we're going to see that out of one of these three. And I think it's likely that one of them, at least one of the other two, is not going to perform well. And then that leaves us hoping that one of them does perform well. And then that means you really have what at that point, maybe you've got three good starters and probably, you know, I don't know. I just I just don't believe that this rotation is going to be able to to compete against all of the other rotations in, in Major League Baseball. I think it's one of the worst rotations in, in the league, but that doesn't mean I don't like it for the reasons that I already described. That being said, Alex Wood, I don't ever want to hear the word ablation again. That sounds horrible. And and that <laughs> that that means that he's got, wait, they're going to burn away the nerves? What, what, what? That, like, what? I don't, <laughs> ow. <laughs> I, I ow and I will say this about him like the reason he hasn't performed last couple of seasons is because he's had back issues and that's what they're doing they're just going to burn the way the nerves in your back they're like eh we can't fix the problem so let's just get rid of the things that tell you that there is a problem huh, gosh I don't know man I hope it goes well for him but that does not sound like fun well yeah I just with all due respect to Alex Wood I just you know burn the nerves and come and pitch dude like I you know <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a professional athlete, and and you know he's uh, what, also how, once how a Dodger, always a Dodger, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and and I was gonna say he's old, but he's just turned thirty. I mean, you know, it's not like he's he's terribly old, but you know, there's still who knows. So and and so I guess you know one of the things about the rotation, though, getting back to that, is you know there seems to be a lot of concern around Major League Baseball about what last year's lack of innings will do to pitchers this year. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the optimist would say, well, they're fresher, right? They don't have as much wear and tear. They're able to go. But you know, but a lot of baseball people are saying the opposite, that they didn't get in the work that they needed to do. And so to ask them to go from, you know, 100 innings to yeah. 200 and, you know, 20 innings or whatever is a lot. And I don't, I mean, 100 is a high end. I don't think, I think most people last year, most starting pitchers last year had like 60 or 70 innings maybe. And so, you know, those are, it's a big jump. So most teams seem to be preparing with depth. You know, they're trying to bring in a lot of arms. Giants are no different. We've got guys like Scott Kazmir, you know, and we also have the holdovers from last year, like Connor Menez and, and, and then we've got Tyler Beatty, who is scheduled to return at some point this season. So there is depth there that, you know, I think they're not afraid to dip into should we need it. I was actually, 2019, I think the median number of innings a starting pitcher threw was 111. And so, 
you know, we hear about these guys, you know, pitching 200 innings in a season, and that is just not the norm. And so, uh, and I think this next, this year in particularly will be one where we're going to see a lot of movement in the rotation. And, you know, and the Giants are, you know, we haven't talked about their bullpen. And frankly, I'm not prepared because there's so many different people and our names. And I, I don't even know, you know, how that's all going to settle out. But I think they're really going to rely on their bullpen to kind of help you know, augment you know, the, the rotation. And you know, they did that to last year to a certain degree as well. I think you know, we've, you know, the starting rotation has the potential for upside. I think their ceiling uh, could be high. Uh, you've got a couple guys like you know, Sanchez and DeScofani who have you know, a history of pitching well in the past, or, and, and would as well. So I think you know, if, if they can return to even an average, you know, major league starter, I think the Giants would take that. And, um, you know, I think we're relying on, we're hoping that Gosman will be the consistent piece every fifth day and then hoping that we're average everywhere else. And so that would be, I think, a win for this rotation. And I know last episode I was all bullish and, you know, 85 wins and, and uh, um, and after digging into our rotation a little bit, I got to say that I'm not as confident with that 85 wins, but I'm going to stick with it. I think these guys, if they're healthy, the, the Giants have shown uh, that they have the ability to turn pitchers into something better than they were before they got them. And, you know, we saw that last year with Gausman. We've seen that in the past. So, I you know, I'm going to trust that these... Um, that the Giants pitching staff, or coaching staff rather, knows what they're doing. And and it's interesting because the, the, the research that I've been doing on the Giants pitching staff, it seems like every pitcher is being asked to throw their changeup more. And it seems like they're really trying to have the, the pitchers play off their fastball with uh, the changeup. And so it'll be interesting to see what what that type of just, you know, little changes like that maybe make in you know the success of of the staff you know especially the newcomers so or even someone like Cueto like I know they're asking him to do even more I mean last year the changeup was his best pitch uh, and yet he only he didn't throw it more than like you know 20 percent of the time or something like that so uh, they they want him to throw it more you know I think we mentioned last episode I mean he's been clocked during the spring of throwing 94 uh, which is about two miles per hour faster than what he's been throwing so I think that there's hope that Cueto can at least you know provide serviceable um, a serviceable spot in the rotation because he wasn't that last year and he was um, you know pretty bad last year. Yeah, but I mean, but I, I think I yeah I think I think Cueto. I mean, one thing I know we know about Cueto if you follow him at all is he's a really hard worker and and he was coming off of an injury right in in, in trying circumstances and I think I think if you know I think this year is the is the telltale year. I, I think I'm bullish on him being able to throw a lot of innings. I don't know how good they're going to be. I think they might they might look like a little bit of a 2019, you know, Madison Bumgarner kind of situation. But, um, you know, but Madison threw a lot of innings, you know, and saved us from much worse. Yes. Right? Much worse performances out of the bullpen. So, you know, there's – I know that's not flashy, and, and, and maybe it's not enough to get us to the playoffs, but at least it keeps you competitive and it doesn't turn your season into an utter disaster. I will point out the reason I brought up Madison is in 2019, Madison threw the ninth most innings pitched in Major League Baseball with 207 
uh, innings pitched that year, that season. Verlander led all of Major League Baseball with 223 innings pitched uh, for the Astros. Uh, Last year, Lance Lynn led all of baseball with 84. So, yeah. Uh, Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. So, first of all, Lance Lynn was the guy that pitched the most of, of Major League Baseball last year. Think about that. What a weird year last year was. <laughs> but so, so yeah, so that's that's really what you're coming back to. They're going to be expected to do almost three times as many uh, innings. Um, every, and that's probably everybody. That's everybody, you know. I, I do think you bring up a really good point. There is a lot of starting depth. I think we're going to see – I don't know about Scott Kazmir per se. Uh, I, that's a really interesting story. I haven't been following it that closely because I don't know that there is much to follow there. But I think all of those other guys, we're probably going to see all those guys at some point during the season. So I think that is a really good point that you bring up. It's not just on these five or six guys. I think there's really uh, probably about eight or nine. You know, I, I think Tyler Beatty is a big question mark too. You know, what sort of condition does he come back in? You know, how well does he respond? Some people come back from Tommy John throwing harder than ever. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that would be nice, right? And so so that's definitely something you know that, that it could help. I also think that... Uh, I think the bullpen is a huge question mark, you know, and I think you're, you know, yeah, there's a lot of names in there that we don't recognize. We don't know a lot of these guys. They did upgrade at at the, you know, I would say the front end by the front end of the bullpen. I mean, the guys that you would most likely want to see. So the guys that would under normal circumstances be closing games. I, I think they did make some improvements there. They got some innings eaters guys. They got some guys that could be good trade bait during the, during the season. Man, you but, and your trade bait, dude. Come on, man. Be positive, man. Come that on. is me being positive, man. These guys are bringing in good young prospects that are going to make our team better perpetually for the next six or seven years, not be some sort of huge contractual burden that still gets us to finish in third place. And we can be like, hey, but at least they played a game that mattered on the last weekend of the season and still don't make it. All right. But- and then what do you got? Okay, but first of all, Zaidi is, if there's anything that he's shown is that he's not going to get us into a contractual burden. I think half right. the team is unsigned for next year. So, right. you know, there's there's that. But Well, that's on, what I'm man. saying. I'm saying that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. They're, they're trying to rebuild the foundation from the ground up. And when everybody does get there, when the farm system finally catches up so that it is able to consistently produce good players and depth on a yearly basis that's when you start signing the long-term contracts and then you're going to have a lot of money and you're going to have a lot of flexibility and the team is going to go from being kind of marginally good every year to being perpetually good every year a la the hated dodgers all right so how long do i have to wait for that to happen well our 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 our, our farm league was pretty bad so i think it's going to Twenty I think there's you know twenty twenty three might be might be the year where you start to see you know some guys come up mid season and really start to make huge impacts or, or start the season with the team, but I think we got another two more seasons in the doldrums here before you really start to see things hit, and I mean I don't know what you guys want I you want. I, you want to believe that, you know, you can just spend, like, be the New York Yankees of old and 
and just buy everything and have, you know, not even the New York Yankees can be the New York Yankees anymore. So it, it just doesn't happen. What I would say is at least we're not doing what a lot of the other teams did, like the Houston Astros, because that's what we could have turned into. We could have been... We could have cheated? Well, <laughs> not that. Uh, that was later. It, it was actually, it was actually, that, that, that happened after they played three of the worst seasons of baseball that any major league team has ever played. Yeah. yeah. Right? And those three seasons are what led to the juggernaut that they are now. Right? So these things take time. They are painful. And at least what we're getting is an exciting product that can be competitive day after day instead of watching our team lose 118 games. Nobody wants to see that. That's not good for baseball. So I, I'm, I think the team is going in the right direction. They're doing what they need to do to rebuild the, the, the farm system. And this is how they get it done by sh signing, you know, rebound guys and then flipping them for, you know, something better. Right. So, and at the same time, hey, I'm not saying it's not possible. They could eke out 85 wins, and maybe that will be good enough for the second wild card spot. And what do you know? Maybe we're in the playoffs. I, I do think it's possible. And I think we should be thankful that we're kind of getting both of those opportunities. We're getting an opportunity for our team to rebuild itself. And we also have a shot at making the playoffs. I get it. We didn't sign all of the, you know, the big names. We didn't get Trevor Bauer we, this year. We didn't get Bryce Harper, you know, a couple of years ago. And, oh, that really sucks. And I'm just, you know, we all want pretty good things all the time. But that wouldn't hunt either because now we'd be saddled with huge contracts that we can't unload. And what happens if those guys don't produce? What happens if those guys get hurt? Right? All right. Yeah. All right. Well... I, I am going to be optimistic that it's going to be before 2024 uh, because, you know, I I want them to win, damn it. But uh, <laughs> I guess maybe, we'll maybe, see. Maybe I'm a, well, we both know I'm a little bit of a pessimist in these things. Maybe, yeah, you're, maybe, you know, maybe it'll be a little, maybe it'll be a 2023, but uh, I, I do think it's coming. Um, but And when it comes, it's not going to stop. That's the goal. Right. All right. Well, so speaking of 2023, beyond 2021 one of the things i wanted to ask you uh is uh, you know there's been a lot of talk lately with the new collective bargaining agreement hopefully there will not be a work stoppage going into to next season uh wouldn't bet against it but uh there's one of the things that has been kind of acknowledged it seems lately madison Bumgardner came out this week and said that he wants to win one more silver slugger before they go to the universal dh and, you know, so it seems like the writing is on the wall for no DH beyond this season. Uh, personally, for me, a lifelong National League baseball fan, I have always really loved the, the thinking that goes into and the strategy that goes into having the pitcher hit. And... Uh, that I think I will miss. You know, I really always like, you know, who do we have on the bench? Who's going to do the double switch? You know, those, you know, those types of questions, you know, for the fan that's really into baseball and the strategy, uh, you know, really will be gone after after this year, if that's the case. And, and I'm, I'm mourning that a little bit because I feel like um, while I fully acknowledge that probably, you know, in a couple of years, I won't really miss it. I, I do feel like 
that we are giving up something that has been part of our game for so long and that's something that you know, really makes it a, uh, a thinking cerebral game. And I'm going to miss that. So what, what is your thoughts on no DH going forward? I mean, I agree with you that it, it's... I keep saying no DH. I mean, what oh, are your getting thoughts rid of, on getting, getting rid, of, rid of pitchers of, hitting, I guess? Yeah, getting rid of pitchers hitting, going to a DH in both leagues. Right. Yeah, I understood what you meant. I think the DH is inevitable. I, I always have my whole life. I, like you, grew up as a National League fan, and so I grew to appreciate the differences that it brought to the game. I really like the fact that it was different between the two leagues. I liked the difference. I liked how that had a different effect on the strategy, and you could debate it with your friends, with your American League friends, and you could uh, discuss all of the ins and outs of those things. And I do agree that it it adds a certain connection between the top half inning of the inning and the bottom half of the inning, right? You have to think about both of these things all the time in the National League because there is no DH that you don't have to do in the American League, right? You don't have to think about these things. It doesn't really matter when you change your pitcher. I do think that there's been a couple of additions, rules that actually add in back that that sort of thinking, right? You can't let a pitcher just come in. You can't have the the loogies anymore. You can't have the left-handed only guys who come in to face one batter and then bail, right? They need to face three batters in uh, an inning or finish the inning. So I think that does bring back some of that intrigue, which is good, and it reduces a lot of the the, the switches and pitching changes. I like you. I agree. I, I think it's going to be one of those things that it's sad to see it go, but I think in the long run, it we're not really going to miss it. it. It was sort of inevitable, and I think it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm torn about it. Like I, I wish it wasn't going away, but at the same time, I'm I'm ready for it to go. I'm ready to say goodbye. I, I've. I've come to terms with the fact that uh, hitting pitchers are going to go away. I think there's a lot of great and exciting things that that brings to the game. But I also understand that it also makes the game quite boring in a lot of other circumstances, right? And it also creates situations that are just so anticlimactic, right? That situation where there's two outs and the bases are loaded and here comes your pitcher in the third inning. You know, I won't miss that, <laughs> right? And so, I do think it. I do think it. Um, it will be missed, but I think it doesn't really hurt the game that much. And I do think it improves the labor situation a lot. So I, I, I would definitely think that if it can lead to us not having a work stoppage or at least help not have a work stoppage then then so be it you know and and by the you know like i said i i kind of the writing has been on the wall since the very beginning right nobody enjoys watching a pitcher come up and flail away at three pitches when there's a runner in scoring position and nobody's going to miss not seeing that anymore and, you know, the Madison Bumgarners of the world, you know, yeah, we're going to miss them. But let's face it, they were few and far between. All right. Yes. And so long, you know, rest in peace, 
pitchers hitting and you know long live the DH I guess so as we maybe wrap up this uh, this episode we've got 10 more days before opening day uh, if my my math could be wrong maybe it's 11 days I don't know but we got about a week and a half and so these are the days where you know we we'll start to watch the the roster come together I think there might be only I don't know. If there's any actually any question marks around the 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 infield or the outfield. I think most of the roster questions are going to be around that fifth starter and the bullpen. But it should be interesting. You know, I think that uh, following this last week and seeing who makes the the team, will any non-roster guys make the team? I think that you know there's a possibility in the bullpen maybe of a non-roster invite making the bullpen. And so, you know, those are the types of things that will be fun to watch this last week. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I'm really looking interested to see who's going to be our fifth starter, who's going to start with the team, and, and who's going to not start with the team. I, I know it looks like injury may be forcing that decision, but if it doesn't, I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out. I'm really interested to see, you know, what the opening day lineup looks like in those first six games and how Kapler plays this very versatile infield and outfield. I hope, and I'm very, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not optimistic. I'm I'm a little bit pessimistic about the bullpen, but I'm, you know, kind of got my looking through, looking through my hands. I'm, I'm hopeful and interested to see how this bullpen shakes out because I really think that is the biggest question mark uh, and might be the most glaring um, area uh, on the Giants, so the, the, the most problematic area on the Giants this season. So I'm interested to see how all that plays out. I'm also interested in seeing how our predictions come true. I, I hope you're right and I'm wrong in terms of how well they perform this year. But I also am excited to get started. I'm excited for a full season of Major League Baseball, most of all. So, Amen. Yeah. Only all right. one more week. One more week. All right, Ben, where can they find you if they want to check in with you? Well, on you can Twitter? find me on Twitter at WatchBenFail. Where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at SonomaYGuy. So S-O-N-O-M-A-Y, the letter Y, and then Guy. So uh, come say hi. Having said that... Yeah, cheers. Cheers. To another episode. And we'll see you all next time. See you next time.